area man, surprisingly nonchalant when finding out that his online girlfriend is actually a boy. Hi, this is WBEZ's It's All True podcast, brought to you with help from America's second favorite source for fake news, thewhiskeyjournal.com. I'm your host, Tim Barnes, and you just heard a fake news headline from comedian Kevin Mullaney. Each week I chat with an awesome guest and ask them to reveal a headline for a funny, true story. This week I talked to Daniel Kibblesmith. He's a contributing writer for the Onion News Network and also plays a major role in their BuzzFeed-esque spinoff site, Clickhole. Some of the quizzes will be conversational, so it'll be like, um, hey, if I ordered fries, would you have any? That would be a quiz. <laughs> um, a recent one that I liked a lot was, uh, is Captain America 2 out on Blu-ray yet? <laughs> so they kind of come together as these answerable questions. But before we get more juicy details, let's hear Daniel Kibblesmith in action. But last week at the office, everyone is gathered in the break room to watch Team USA. And maybe you're just there to get a cup of coffee. But suddenly, Team USA has the soccer ball. And everyone in the break room makes a noise. And you make a noise. And you mean it. Because you've just experienced the phenomenon of emotional contagion. It is the reason that you might feel a sense of shared catharsis when you go see your favorite band live. Or why you might cry at a wedding. Or why, when you date someone with depression for six years this August, <laughs> you yourself may slip into a sort of depression so that when she, when she looks at you one day and says, I'm really unhappy, you're so used to being unhappy that it doesn't even register that it might be a problem. So, so, you, so you, just, you just reflexively reply back without even looking up. Me too. And then you go back to doing whatever you were doing, which was probably looking at your phone. That was Daniel Kibblesmith, co-author of the book How to Win at Everything, performing at the Paper Machete. If you'd like to hear more, listen to the Paper Machete podcast. Daniel is associate editor of one of the most compelling things on the internet right now. It's a very funny website called Clickhole that puts a dark humorous spin on the BuzzFeed phenomenon. To me, it kind of appeared out of nowhere, and I really wanted to know how long that idea had been brewing. I believe, yeah, I believe for some time. Because I remember uh, I was contributing to the, the Onion News Network, which is their cable news kind of parody that's mostly video-centric. And there was a lot of talk during that time about doing something that was like not only BuzzFeed but Huffington Post and maybe Gawker and uh, how there was this new media landscape emerging that wasn't a newspaper and it wasn't cable news but it was stupid. <laughs> it was very stupid and it was worth uh, talking about how dumb it was. So I th they were kicking around some version of this for, okay. for a long time. Because it is interesting because you're almost battling something that n knows it's stupid. I feel like BuzzFeed has that self-realization. It's hard because BuzzFeed has always had a sense of humor. And, you know, the people who work there are not crazy. Like they, <laughs> they are like intelligent people of right mind who, are, who just they have an idea that works. Uh, and, they, and they glommed onto it hard. 
I find that it's hard to outdo the ridiculousness, but there's two things that The Onion has always been able to do really well, which is to go dark, uh, which BuzzFeed is the opposite of. Their official company motto is no haters. <laughs> you can look that up. The other thing The Onion does really well, which is the idea of the area man voice, that sort of weird kitchen table humor where it's like a feeling you've always had, but you didn't know how to voice it. Like um, things about like people's roommates and people's dads and things that are like kind of too specific to be BuzzFeed content, but in their own way universal. The best things do tap into something that, like you said, is hard to articulate. Yeah, you want to find that weird untapped thing where everybody's like, oh, that's me. I get that. (laughs) But no one's ever called me out on it before. (laughs) I think about that because you said dads. Did you find that that is something that is the most popular thing to comment on? Right. I mean, in our writer's room, it certainly is. Um, Right now, we think... Do you think think a lot of comedy writers have daddy issues? Oh, I mean, I think a lot of people have daddy issues. I think comedy writers are the people who are run by their issues. What is your daddy issue? My daddy issue? Uh, he's taller than me. No, I don't know. It's an abstract thing. Um, I think that I think that you know everybody has a weird relationship with their parents, even if it's good. And I find a lot of my friends, and I have a really great relationship with my parents, but I find a lot of my friends who do have good relationships with their parents, it's even weirder in some ways because it's like you're their friend yeah. and the like. The dynamics are strange. So it's, you know, I don't know that we'll figure this out today. <laughs> I think the comedy writer is the most interesting breed of the, the comedy ecosystem, if you will, because you got the improvisers, you got the stand-ups, the people who are out there. But you guys are like the... Like the architect in the Matrix, you know what I mean? You, like we're the com- bad guys. Is yeah. that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, I feel I feel I think more at home behind the scenes. What I always tell people when you when you start out, everybody's kind of doing everything, and you, you know you're like, oh, I'm a funny person. Like I'll do you know I'll do improv and I'll do sketch, and then you meet people who are born performers. And my biggest fear is that some of those like naturally talented people who are so willing to put themselves out there will figure out that they don't need writers. Oh. That a lot of them are like not only the best performers that I've ever seen, but so many of my friends are also like effortless writers. And just you know how the Flash can run fast, but Superman can run fast, plus a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> That's like my secret shame about comedy writers is like like you know there are guys who can like go out and do this, right? Like they don't need they don't need like you to hand them, you know, pieces of paper that say where what the jokes are going to be. And uh, you uh, have a book? Uh I'm the I'm the co-author uh with my friend Sam Weiner of How to Win at Everything. I'm interested in this co-author business. Oh yeah, we're we're uh, Is that difficult? I mean, wh- constantly at each other's throats. <laughs> no, it's 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 fantastic. Um because writing a book, I don't know if people know this, writing a book is hard. <laughs> it turns out. So cutting that workload uh in half, which is which is actually a simplification. I think in some ways we work harder because we hold each other to an exacting standard. Sometimes you don't have the right idea yourself, but you know that someone else's yeah. thing isn't quite there yet it's either. It's always great when you can pitch an idea and you see that blank look in their face. Like, yeah, really? exactly. <laughs> exactly. So you can bounce things between each other. So there's nothing in the book that hasn't been approved by both of us. Like we don't like trade off chapters or anything like that or like do passes on each other's material. We like sit down as if we were one person. But it's great. It's uh, a parody, I guess you would say, of – um, overachieving lifestyle manuals, uh, 
that sort of like Tony Robbins, highly effective people genre <laughs> where uh, Sam and I uh, figured out that every aspect of your life is a competition. And if you're not winning, what's the point? So our book teaches you how to win at um, things you'd expect like uh, coming out ahead in a fist fight <laughs> or how to become a grandmaster in chess. Do you believe on a fundamental basis in that premise that everything is a competition? No, I think that's what made it fun to write. <laughs> it's so clearly like a character. Whenever I watch a movie that takes place in a post-apocalyptic future, I take some solace in the fact I'll be dead. You know, like I'm not <laughs> like, oh, I look forward to not fighting tooth and nail for the last remnants of society because <laughs> it looks like most people are dead. In this movie. And so, I'm most people. So you're the only guy in the audience going, thank God I'm dead. Yeah. I'm like it, in the zombie apocalypse scenario, I'm one of the guys who's like, best case scenario, I'll be a zombie that isn't naked. I, that's <laughs> that's my actual expectations for myself is like when when it all goes down, I just want to have a moderate amount of dignity. We'll be right back with more It's All True after the break. And when we return, you'll hear Daniel Kibblesmith's headline for a funny true story. If you have a headline version of a hilarious thing that's happened to you, I'd really like to hear it. Record it on your phone and email the file to itsalltruepodcast at gmail.com. That's what It's All True listener Stephen Morrill did. This just in, five white guys get shot at in bad neighborhood, only one cries. Wow. Just, <laughs> wow. Uh, more Daniel Kibblesmith after the break. on the latest episode of Pleasure Town. There was a man sitting across from me. He saw my pants, didn't see my hair, and assumed that I was a boy. He handed me the book he was reading. I hadn't known I was thirsty, but now this book was quenching me. Listen in and join the story now at wbez.org slash pleasure town. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Tim Barnes, and each week I ask a guest to reveal a headline for a funny true story. This week's guest is comedic writer Daniel Kibblesmith. Here's his headline. My headline is, Transformer Star Caught in Drunken Brawl. Okay, okay. <laughs> I guess we would begin uh, with me as a recent college graduate, uh, just walking up the steps to what I have just found out is a 1980s-themed costume party. And I was not aware of that fact when I agreed to go. <laughs> I didn't realize that the person that was taking me to the party was my date. Uh, in fact, a better way to phrase that would be that I didn't realize that the person I was with was someone who I was dating. You didn't realize you were on a date? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were <laughs> friends, but we were hanging out a lot. And I didn't date in, certainly not in high school, and in, in very little in college. So I thought that if I was dating somebody, it would start with this very formal conversation. Diane, you know the senior class play is coming up a week from next Friday. Yeah, the where we would declare that we were dating. Do you think we're old enough to go steady? <laughs> and and then I don't know, pin medals to each other's chests or something, and then you'd you'd be able to tell people like, Yes, I'm dating so and so and we are dating. <laughs> and when we're done dating, I will know and I will tell you. <laughs> sure. This is going to be fun. I uh, had very recently met uh, another young man who was a friend of hers. 
Uh, and he was uh, he was another like sort of comedic performer, and he and I had a lot of a lot of things in common. So when I when I met this guy the previous week, I was like, oh, good, a new friend. Yeah. Uh, so we walk in. It's clear that it's a party house because there's this lacquered dance floor where other people would have a couch. But there was a gentleman on the dance floor tearing it up, and it was this this new new friend of mine. I hoped. Uh, and he was doing almost b-boy moves, and he was wearing an Optimus Prime costume that was perfect. <laughs> what do you mean perfect? I mean it like was... you could see the gears. I, I my imagination could wow. see the gears. <laughs> at the time, I didn't drink at all. Not only are you the only guy not dressed up at this party, you're also just not relatively close to anywhere near their level. It really is like the scene from a movie where the guy goes into the club and it's all vampires. <laughs> it's just, you realize immediately that you're not in a safe place and there, there are cultural things happening here that you don't understand. And Optimus Prime is just generally hovering around me and my pseudo-date acting weird. He's very drunk already. His conversation is stilted. He's kind of giving everybody the stink eye through his visor slit. We bleed out into the backyard... So my date, who is, you know, party drunk, grabs me and pulls me into a sort of alcove area. And now that we have some privacy, proceeds to start making out with me. And I, I am sober, but I still don't know what's happening. Uh, and the Optimus Prime steps out of the shadows silently, took off his Optimus Prime mask helmet and placed it slowly over mine like some kind of weird coronation ceremony that only he understood i knew that these i knew that these two people were friends i didn't know that he had sort of if not romantic designs on this girl again this was in 2006 but now we would know him as a sort of like a nice guy you know like a that sort of Reddit-ish, why, like, why don't you like me? The woman takes the Optimus Prime hat off of me, throws it in the bushes, and begins kissing me again. Whoa. It felt like an experience that I should have had in junior high <laughs> and didn't. Uh, I suddenly hear slash feel a noise like a bell ringing, except it's in my own head. And I see a slight flash of light, and I stumble backwards, and the girl who was kissing me a second ago is now screaming... And it turns out that Optimus Prime walked away from us, went into the house, methodically filled up an empty cardboard six-pack with wine bottles, came up behind me, and struck me in the back of the head. Uh, I want to reaffirm that at this point in the story, I believed that we were all friends. I knew this guy as somebody that I was to be friends with. (laughs) So when he hit me, I didn't fight back in any way but I also didn't run Yeah, because my first thought was this has to be some kind of misunderstanding <laughs> so I immediately began like sort of talking to him and this is when I figure out that he has the six pack full of more wine bottles uh, and I've never been in a proper fight before I've never thrown a punch uh, but one thing I am disproportionately proud of is when he came down to hit me again I was able to catch his wrists before the bottle hit my face <laughs> Which is something that I've only seen done in movies. You just turned to Bruce Lee all of a sudden. I had one Bruce Lee moment in my entire life, and I spent it on that. (laughs) I think it was a good call. Ah. 
the girl starts screaming, run. So I kind of dive under the porch, and he begins throwing bottles after me. And those bottles shatter. So, yeah, people are, like, very aware that a fight has broken out, or something resembling a fight between Headless Optimus Prime and... An innocent Einstein. Yeah, a civilian. (laughs) So, yeah, I get under the porch, and that's when I feel something wet on my head, and uh, obviously my scalp has been broken open uh, from from the blow. And I need to go to the emergency room. Once he flees from the party, because he believes someone has already called the police... What seems at first like a nice young woman that I haven't spoken to yet uh, invites me into her car for a ride to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Immediately reveals that she's very drunk, too drunk to be driving, <laughs> and tells me, don't get any blood in my car. So that's how the story ends, with me on the way to the emergency room, being ordered by a new character. <laughs> so what life lessons were learned? Well, uh, I learned that uh, the police are not super helpful. They're just kind of doing their job. Uh, I learned that um, guys who say that they're nice and then take it out on the women who won't sleep with them are monsters. (laughs) I was a little ahead of the curve on that one. Uh, And I learned that when all else fails, you can buy the dude's domain oh what what was it the guy had a dot net domain name of his own name uh so i bought his name dot com and forwarded it to the wikipedia article for failure wow uh so there's a lot of fun petty internet pranks you can do <laughs> to take the law into your own hands and i encourage people to do those nice Big thanks to Daniel Kibblesmith for stopping by. If you'd like to stay updated on his existence, follow him on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at Kibblesmith. Very simple. At symbol Kibblesmith. It's All True is a production of WBEZ Chicago and The Whiskey Journal. This show is produced by me, Joe Dassault, myself, I, Patrick Burns, and Tim Barnes. You can subscribe to this and all of WBEZ's podcasts on iTunes. My Twitter handle is TimBarnes451. And follow the show at All True Podcast. This is Tim Barnes signing off saying, I believe in you. <laughs>